0: You are listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. And also, I think, we give each other presents because it's a reminder that Jesus is, as Paul says in Corinthians, God's gift to us. And one of the things I find as a Christian going on is to understand more and more how wonderful that is that God gave Jesus to us and what that means. So we're going to look at that for a short while this morning. If you've got a Bible, look to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2 in particular. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. There is a, a song that is probably my least favorite Christmas song, full stop. Um, I wish it could be Christmas every day, it's about the worst Christmas song, fairy tale of New York, but you wouldn't sing that in church either, um, but is the best. But there's a sense in which for the Christian, we celebrate Christmas, maybe not every day, but every Lord's Day, every Sunday. We are remembering, whenever we come together, Jesus Christ, our focus of our worship is Jesus Christ, Christ coming into the world, and Christ dying for our sins, and Christ being raised from the dead, and Christ returning, because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. I've uh, been in a a discussion recently with uh, a man on a website. And he's saying, but look, if God is outside of space and outside of time, then how can we know He exists? And I keep saying to him, well, what if God came into space? What if God came into time? And that's what we celebrate. It's what we call the incarnation, that God intervened in this world Himself directly through Jesus Christ coming and being Emmanuel. This story, this uh, teaching in Isaiah chapter 9, it's an important passage because it's repeated in the New Testament to remind us of who Jesus is and where he came from. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 12, we read this. Sorry, Matthew 4 and verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. This area, this particular area in Israel was important. King Ahaz had met with Isaiah, and Isaiah told him that the Assyrians, what we now call the Syrians, would invade and defeat Israel, and they would, the first area to be defeated by the Assyrians would be the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. It was an area which had the way of the sea, as it says here, the way of the sea going through it. <coughs> in effect, a motorway. A major trade route. We know that this happened after Isaiah prophesied in the year 732 before Christ, before Jesus was born. And at that time in Israel a great darkness came over the whole land. And the Jewish people for many centuries looked forward to a light, the light, Coming in to rescue them. Well, I want to think just a little bit about what that darkness is and what that means for us. Our society is fascinated by the dark side. Used to be a a Christmas tradition in my house, anyway, to uh, watch Star Wars or to read, uh, look at Star Wars. Whether then it became Lord of the Rings. And in all these films, there's always a baddie. There's always someone who's, who's very, very dark. And in, in these films, very often, the more attractive characters are the ones who belonged to the dark side. There's a darkness that does occur within, within us and out with us. And it's a, it's a horrible thing to try and describe what it is. When we live in darkness for real, as opposed to being attracted by darkness that's portrayed in films or in in books and so on, it is really, really horrible. I came in this morning and somebody on the door said, did you see the sun this morning? Well, no, I didn't. And it must have been for about a nanosecond. Either that or they were dreaming. But I was up pretty sharp and I didn't see much sun. maybe it's just almost attempting to break out. I just don't like the darkness. Like to, to know that there is light somewhere. When you get up and uh, like yesterday it was uh, eleven o'clock in the morning and I needed a torch to, see, to even to see inside the garden shed. We don't like that. But there's another kind of darkness as well as physical darkness. There's depression and illness and heaviness and disease, and sin, and evil, and greed, and lust, and destruction, and death, and hell. And so many people live in that darkness. And you can have all the artificial lights in the world, but the artificial lights do not take away from the darkness. Last night, we went to see an amazing film, Life of Pi. Now, if you've read the book, you have to see the film. Um, If you haven't read the book, it's probably a good idea to read the book, but the film is just beautifully uh, portrayed. It portrays the the book very well. It's fantastic cinematography. But uh, Jan Martel's Life of Pi for me was a fascinating book because it was so popular and yet discusses the whole idea of what we believe and how we believe. And there's so many quotable sayings in it, and probably my favorite is this, We believe what we see. What do you do when you're in the dark? If you believe what you see, but what do you do when you're in the dark? So there's lots of people will say, I don't believe in God because I don't see God. I don't believe in God because I don't see the evidence for God. But what if they're in the dark? Again, it's like if you're, um, you ask someone to to look. Look at this present that's beautifully wrapped. Can you see it? And they go, no. And you say to them, well, open your eyes. You can't see it if your eyes are not open. And I think that that is the whole reason that Jesus comes into the world. Jesus Jesus doesn't exist because we believe. We don't see Jesus because we believe. We believe because Jesus came into the world. The light of the world came into darkness. There was a great darkness in the world. There is still a great darkness. But the second thing is that the light comes. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. Psalm 112 and verse 4. I think that, uh, again, if you've got a Bible, go to John chapter 1. And we read this. In the beginning was the Word, this is speaking about Jesus, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through Him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. God sends light into the darkness. He sends light so that we can see. God does certain things through this. This is what light does. Light enables us to see things so that things happen. But light does more, more than that, and the boys and girls know this too. When you go, you go to school and you learn about things like plants need light to grow, and all of us need light. Well, in Isaiah 9 and verse 4, It says what God does. As in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. This is what the light does. God is in charge of both the light and the darkness. Isaiah 45, verse 7, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all things. And what this light did in Isaiah's day, and what this light does for us, first of all, it increases. It causes growth. It en- causes, enlarges the nation, as Isaiah says. Secondly, it increases their joy. Light brings joy. The person who said to me, "Did you see the sun this morning?" said so with a big smile on their face. Because sunshine, light, does bring joy. It's very strange, people who like just sitting in darkness. We all want to have joy. Thirdly, the yoke lifted the burden. There was a yoke that was placed upon the people, a heavy burden. It's as though, and maybe, uh, maybe the boys and girls can understand this, when you go to school, what do you take to school with you? What do you carry? A bag. Okay. What kind of bag, Joseph? A school bag. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. They carry a school bag. And it's, imagine if you had a school bag that was really, really heavy and that you had to carry all the time. Well, an awful lot of people carry a burden that is really, really heavy. And I love the the old Redemption songs and hymns that talk that talk about Jesus taking my burdens and rolling them in the sea. Or I love um days are filled with sorrow and care, hearts are lonely and drear, burdens are lifted, and Calvin is very near. There is a a heaviness and a burden that so many people carry, and some of you here today, that's what you're carrying. You have this burden. You, you are burdened by many, many things. You are troubled by many, many things. And as a result, life is just heavy. It's just hard. It's just difficult. And Jesus comes to lift people's burdens. So you may not be a Christian. You may have heard very little about this. You may be a Christian. You have lots of friends who are heavily, heavily burdened. And they need to know that Jesus came to lift those burdens. Now, an awful lot of people think that becoming religious, as they put it, becoming a Christian, is to increase your burdens. It's to make things harder, to make things more difficult. And in one sense, there's an element of truth in that. But in another sense, it's completely wrong. Because Christ came to carry our burdens. If we are weary and heavy laden, says Jesus, come to me and I will give you rest. Some are exhausted. Christ says, I will give you rest. Some are battered and bruised emotionally. Christ says, I will give you rest. There is a yoke that oppresses us and Christ comes to defeat that yoke. The fourth thing is this, the destruction of war and of violence. That's what the Messiah Comes to do. Earlier in Isaiah 2 verse 4, he will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. The light comes into the world and the light comes to bring peace. So we have the darkness. We have the light, and then we have how he does this through his name. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. Do any of the boys and girls know what Jesus' full name is? Any other names for Jesus? We, we call him Jesus because that's one. It means Savior. Emmanuel, brilliant, God with us. Anything else? Jesus Christ. And that means the Messiah, the one who was promised to come when the Israelites were in so much darkness, the promised one. In fact, there's seven names that are listed just in this passage for Jesus. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor and so on. I'll just go through these names. Number one is just simple. To us, a child is born, a son is given. You look at the, who's the youngest person in the church this morning, do you think? Who's the very youngest here? Cameron, are you the youngest? No, close. I think there's a young man there who's a wee bit younger. Fraser. Benjamin. Yeah, I think he's probably the youngest. The youngest in here. Well, You look at Benjamin, you see him. You know, the most amazing thing about Christmas is, Jesus was once like that. That's extraordinary. The Son of God, who created the whole universe, came and he had to be held by his mother. And he probably cried in church as well, in synagogue anyway. He came and he was like that. That is is absolutely incredible. And yet that was what was promised in Isaiah. And it was what was fulfilled at Christmas through Jesus. He's a child. He's a king. Micah 5.2 But you, O Bethlehem, Epaphra, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from of ancient days. Jesus is the baby, and Jesus is the king. And he's wonderful. His name shall be wonderful. Wonderful counselor. <coughs> Another name for God. Judges 13.18 And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Again, it's an extraordinary thing that Jesus is known as the baby in the manger, the king, and the wonderful counselor. It's great when you have somebody who can counsel and who can help, someone who comes alongside you, someone who who can help you understand and can help you carry. There is no one, absolutely no one, like Jesus for that. He is just, that's what he has come to do. And number four, he's the mighty God. (coughs) Sorry, that's number five, he's the mighty God. That is extraordinary. The Messiah has to be God. And then unusually, he's called the everlasting father. How can the son, how can an as yet unborn child be called father? And the answer to that is because he shares the same attributes of God. It refers to his relationship to time rather than his relationship to God. Christ was born, but the one who was born was himself, eternal. The baby had a human beginning, but in that baby was the one who created all things. It's an extraordinary and wonderful Paradox. The idea perhaps also is of his relationship to David and his relationship to uh, Israel, that that of the perfect father. And then lastly he's called the Prince of Peace. Peace is mentioned twenty five times in, in Isaiah, and in the Hebrew sense it carries the whole idea of prosperity as well as lack of conflict. Without Christ it's impossible to have peace. Christmas songs often speak of that, don't know, don't they? They say there'll be peace at Christmas. Well, for an awful lot of people there will not be peace. There are people in this world who are in war zones just now and it won't be peaceful for them. And there are people within their own lives who face tremendous conflict and it will not be peaceful. But Christ comes to do that. So those, those names that he's given tell us how that light comes in and what he does. He is the child. He's the king. He's wonderful. He's the counselor. He's mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. I heard a man on the radio this morning saying it doesn't matter what happened. These are just stories told to illustrate something and that was a man who was meant to be a Christian minister just desperately desperately sad because it does matter what happens this was prophesied that a baby would be born it was prophesied that he would be called Emmanuel he would be Emmanuel God with us it was prophesied that he would bring light into the darkness It happened. It really, really did happen. There are lots of things about Christmas that we could look at and we can say, well, they're nice, but they're not really real. But Jesus being born is real. I like Christmas being celebrated at this time of year. It probably wasn't the time that Jesus was actually born. We just celebrate his birth just now. But I like it being celebrated at this time of year, in in this country, in Scotland anyway, in the Northern Hemisphere, because you may not know this, but summer's coming and the days are getting lighter. The shortest day has gone. The darkest day has gone. And I actually think it's wonderful that we celebrate Christmas just after the darkest day has gone, because that's true for humanity. As a believer, when you come to know and trust in Jesus Christ, whatever you face, whatever lies ahead of you, the darkest day has gone. The light has come. That's why Jesus came. That's what the good news is about. That's what the gospel is about. You want real joy. It's not going to be found in the fact that you get a new iPhone for Christmas. You want to grow. You want to develop. You want your burdens lifted. You want peace. The only way for that to happen is through Jesus Christ. Polly Toynbee puts an alternative point of view. In writing about Aslan, C.S. Lewis's wonderful illustration and creation about Jesus. She says, Aslan is an emblem for everything an atheist objects to in religion. His divine presence is a way to avoid human human beings taking responsibility for everything here and now on earth, where no one is watching, no one is guiding, no one is judging, and there is no other place yet to come. Without an Aslan, there is no one here but ourselves to suffer for our sins, no one to redeem us but ourselves. We are obliged to settle our own disputes and do what we can. And Polly Toynbee wrote that, as though it was meant to be good news. Without Christ, there's no one here to suffer for our sins, there's no one to redeem us, there's no one to lighten our darkness but ourselves. It is the supreme arrogance of our culture and of our society that we think that by having winter lights we can bring light into a dark world. Our problem is much more than the physical darkness that exists. And we cannot cope or deal with the inner spiritual darkness or the blackness that is at the heart of humanity. The only one who can is Jesus Christ. And that's our choice. That's your choice. You can choose to buy your own presents. You can choose to save yourself. You can choose to do what you can. And it's never ever going to be enough. Us. Human beings without God is darkness and hell. God with us, Emmanuel with us, is heaven. Jan Martel, I gave you the quote, we believe what we see. What do you see when you're in the dark? You see nothing. You see nothing. You look to Jesus and you see everything. C.S. Lewis' famous quote, I believe in the sun, not because I see the sun, but because by the sun I see everything else. Just simply pray this morning, this Christmas, that Jesus will be your light come into darkness. And simply pray that Jesus will be the light of your home and the light of your community and the light of this city and the light of this country. I know some Christians who are getting really depressed about everything that's happening and and so on. They really are. And I just simply want to say look, believe your Bible. The darkness is great. Great is the darkness that covers the earth. Of course the darkness is great. What did you think? We lived in Disney World? No, we live in the darkness. But the light has come and the light shines ever brighter in that darkness. May God bless his word to us. Thank you for listening to this sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee. If you found this sermon has been helpful to you, please help us to continue building up and assisting the people of God visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solas-cpc.org Once again, that website address is solas-cpc.org Thanks for listening.